This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Mermaids. <laughs> Best way to start a podcast, I think, is just telling everyone um, the main species of the movie they're about to watch. It's normally humans. The main species of the movie they're about to watch. Yeah. So <laughs> what I put together in, in four seconds. What would you what would you do then with ensemble movies like Guardians of the Galaxy? People. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. People. People. Uh well, welcome back everyone to Damsels Who Discuss. I'm Alexia. I'm Gally, and we are uh back under the sea. We are. For, excuse me, I'm sorry, everyone. The sun has just started going down, which means in my brain it is time to go to bed, even though it's four o'clock in the afternoon. There's no, there is no yawning underwater. If you try to yawn underwater, you will die. You're just going to get filled well, with salt water. Fun story. That could now happen to Ariel because as we determined what we just clicked off last week, we ended with Ursula, who was like, I'm not going to give you a water bubble or anything. You're a human now, uh, two and a half miles under the sea. Bye. <laughs> just yeeted her out yeah <laughs> i wonder realistically because we were trying to find out where they were because last time i was pointing out that the shipwrecks when we saw the ship for the first time it seemed like they were out in the middle of nowhere and then when they wreck somehow they're like okay i don't know when in this in the second half of this movie but there's a point where we see um an external view of the castle and i swear to you there is an area of the castle that I think they built around a dip in 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 the shore. Yeah. And I swear the wrecked ship is in there. Like I think you see a wrecked sail in there. I I'm not, I did I'm not, not gonna dispute you. I just don't remember. Well you can't screenshot Disney Plus because I tried, because I wanted to show somebody, but um I wasn't able to find it. And because of that. This all goes back to me wondering, it's sort of like, are they really as far under the sea as we think they are? Or are they just like just offshore? Well, they're definitely not in the deep sea. Like we we can tell that they're a little bit. Um, oh, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, they haven't reached Mariana's Trench because when Ariel is in her little grotto, she can see a ship That's... very easily. Like the light is. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm just being, I'm just being, I'm just being weird about it because I think, again, when you see, when you first see the ship both times, it's portrayed as being like far out in the open yeah. water, no shore in sight. Yeah. And, and, and like, I totally agree with you because that also makes more sense when we think about them celebrating Prince Eric's birthday on the ship instead of just being waiting. on the castle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And because, I was thinking about that, and, and anyone who remembers, I'm a big Titanic person. Um, I'm just thinking, like, if they're at the bottom of the ocean close to the Titanic, that's extremely far down. I don't care how far a crab and a fish are swimming, they're not getting you up in time to breathe. <laughs> but if they haven't made it that far out, I'm like, okay, I concede my point. But then, counterpoint to that, too. If they haven't made it that far out, presumably... Um, humans would have a lot more interactions with these mer people, right? That's the other thing. Um, I also just googled something. 
excuse me, I'm sorry about the yawning, everyone, it's going to happen. But um, so the shark that they deal with at the very beginning, I think is supposed to be a great white shark. It just looks like generic shark. So yeah. I Googled that, where, like, how far from shore does a great white shark live? And a study released in 2021 says that white sharks spend about 47% of their time at depths of less than 15 feet. So I'm kind of like, right. So I'm like, all right. They're like 20 feet below the surface then, which as you said, means that you would be interacting with humans constantly. You go out to fish, yeah. constant interaction with a mermaid. Oh, we caught our net on the fucking mermaid cafeteria tower again. Somebody go down there and untangle it. Like I'm I, all I'm all I'm trying to get it is that I don't understand the physics of this ocean. <laughs> okay. Well, let me tell you some research that I'm finding out right now, right here as we're we're talking. Excellent. So Ariel is uh her her whole underwater environment, um, her castle and all of that is called Atlantica. That is the yes, kingdom. It is. And it is supposed to be located beneath the Atlantic Ocean. There are persons of places of interest that are mentioned here, but it does not say. Yeah, no, it's very. So it's just kind of in the ocean, Atlantic. Yeah, yeah, and that's. Listen, we can move off of this now because clearly Ariel survives. No, we can't. We spent two hours on the last episode only half talking about the movie. We have to spend another hour talking about. I I just because I like. It just doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Um, It's fine. Yeah. It also, apparently Atlantica wasn't determined until uh, a novelization. Yes, uh, it's from true. From 1993 occurred. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. The kingdom was retroactively named. Yeah. Because they it, don't mention it. Well, because in the beginning of this movie, the guy is just like, they, King Triton's the ruler of the Mer people, and they live down there instead of being like, King Triton of Atlantica, you idiot. All right. Well, well here is a little bit more. more... Okay more knowledge on this um and we can probably move on uh it is theorized to be within range of the coast of malta or the northern coast of africa uh apparently eric's kingdom um the architecture there resembles that of malta and the palm trees would imply uh the mediterranean but it's also accessible to the entire atlantic ocean and it's revealed that sebastian was born off the coast of jamaica so it could exist somewhere near Gibraltar or the coast of Morocco or Algeria but it's also possible that Sebastian might have migrated okay what I'm basically learning here is nobody knows I was about to say can you imagine trying to explain this to an alien they would be like what the I would love to understand how that conversation with the alien begins though like like how the topic of of the little mermaid specifically or mer people well, maybe someone kids like they're funny looking like you, because kids are awful. I like this idea. I like um, something that we should pitch to Disney, which is aliens and mermaids meeting together as one. Yeah, we could. I have no idea. I was going to say we could call it, and then I realized I didn't have a title. It's fine. We could call it under the space sea. I don't know. <laughs> unidentified swimming object. Ooh, unidentified swimming object. Yeah. 
Well, that's what I would think that this weird conglomeration of a fish, a crab, and a human buoying up to the surface would be if I were on the surface. I'd be like, what the fuck is that? such a thing ever existed it would immediately be killed and then we'd never know what it was that's true i also have to appreciate that when ariel breaks the surface for air she has time to flip her hair back because when i'm breaking the surface for air i think my hair is in my face just it's like she subconsciously um got into a uh what is it not l'oreal clairol what was the commercial where people would always just like herbal essence Dove? Oh, yeah. So, I like how I went through every single one. Oh, I'm remembering it because Dove did one that was very dramatic a while ago in, like, Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. And Herbal Essence was always the the old commercials where the woman would basically have orgasms with washing their hair. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. one from back in the day that was a lady being being head scrubbed by, like, five guys. Then afterwards, she turns out like, guys, the bottle says repeat. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe Ariel was just kind of subconsciously thinking about herbal essences. Maybe. Like, yes. I I love that um, Disney uh, immediately, like, tries to figure out a way to hide her nudity. Oh, my God. It is the funniest. So <laughs> I, I don't know if I mentioned it last week or not, but I've been watching a lot of, like, cult documentaries. And I started watching a YouTube channel called Fundy Fridays. And they do a pretty in-depth look at the Duggars. And one of the things that cracks me up about um, the Duggars is this clip that I've seen before. And it's one of the kids, I don't know, she's probably 17, 15 at the time or something. It's like, she says something like, yeah, whenever there's something inappropriate on the TV, one of us yells Nike and all the boys look at the ground and we go and cover the TV until it passes. Nike, like, look at your shoes. Isn't that the stupidest thing ever? But to me, it has that exact, this exact same energy. Yeah. it's very much like oh nobody look at her nobody let's look at the legs yes we'll look at the top where we can use the hair to cover the breasts yeah nothing in between we're gonna forget about that she's still fish she's the still hips fish are alive that part yeah the hips, the hips are, are alive yeah. i do love the dedication where it's like we understand she is canonically nude everybody we get it but we're not happy Do you think, do you think that uh, Ursula A went to the trouble of actually like giving her like real human genitals and B gave her pubic hair? I'm going to say yes and yes. She made her human. She didn't say fake human. She said human. She did. She did. And yet no leg hair. Don't be stupid, Gally. This is a Disney movie. <laughs> You're right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was, I'm so sorry. I'll excuse myself now. And um, I th- that's that's one of those things that's like a huge trope in all movies where it's like, yeah. I am the warrior who has been leading this battle charge on the field for 15 months. My hair is blown out and my armpits are smooth. Yes, and it's like, important. Okay. You're like, all right, queen. Yeah. Uh, no, no argument. But they do, they do eventually throw some clothes on her. Clothes by the legal definition of a um, fabric being worn by a person. Yeah. Because I have to admit, this is exactly what I would expect a bird to do to a human. Be like, 
I understand fashion. Squawk, squawk. Squawk. Yeah. I I kind of dig her um, ad hoc outfit, though, that yeah. she's wearing. And that she's, toga like, look feeling is a look. herself. Yeah. Dude, I, I am here for her whole, especially, I kind of like the animating of her hair a little messed up when she's, like, playing with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it's, that's definitely a look for her where she's like, yeah, I'm me. I'm nearly human. What? <laughs> I'm human. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> As you say, she is feeling herself. She is. Because, well, also, I think it's important to understand, too, from a, a character standpoint, she has been obsessed with humans, I, you know, the implication being for it, as long as she's known what a human was. Mm-hmm. And in literally probably an hour, she is, is human. It's like, this is crazy. This is probably mad. Like, I'm sure most of us when we were little had, like, mermaid phases. When you were 16 or 17, if some if you ran into somebody at the local tarot shop and they were like, I can make you a mermaid, and an hour later you were diving into the Atlantic Ocean, wouldn't it be the most exhilarating thing ever? You're 16 years old. You haven't learned about all the stranger danger yet. You haven't been crushed by the world. This is just fun. Yeah. I mean, hell yeah. And, and I would say, if you want to see how a... um slightly older person i guess would deal with uh being a mermaid but then turning human and being excited about it might i recommend the 1983 classic movie splash splash (laughs) which i've been trying to get cliff to watch with me for months it's such a good movie it is and i forgot how many amazing people were in this movie Um, it has um john candy in it who's gonna show up next week does that's our, there you go that's our disney link not tom hanks who's also the lead in this movie and will show up in disney movies no no no. yeah tom but he candy. but we but we we meet john candy in the disney verse first yeah we do we meet Rightfully. him <laughs> well but i mean just conceptually too like tom hanks doesn't come into the disney sphere until toy story oh yeah i was just saying because tom hanks is like the lead oh no no no, no. i know i know yeah. no. i was just thinking in terms of disney <laughs> yeah. sorry no and but... actually um we won't cover Toy Story because that's technically uh, Pixar. Yeah, we're going to do that. We, we're we finishing the Disney animated classics, even though they, they're continuing to come out. Once we've caught up to them, once we've caught up to the present day, we are going to start doing going back to do the Pixar movies. So we're we trying, will. Guys. <laughs> yes, we will. But I want to immediately say before we even get there, I am putting a moratorium on. We are stopping after Toy Story 3. I don't give a fuck. Toy Story 4 was stupid and I heard they're making a fifth. I'm not watching them. Uh, I watched okay I'm sorry I watched the fourth one did you see the fourth one did I see the fourth one I don't know but I did it was like mostly Buzz Lightyear focused yeah and it had the like stupid spork that was just yeah because this movie follows them after they become Bonnie's toys no well guess what everyone it sucks don't watch it I'm gonna save you the trouble right here it does not have it has, to me, the same feeling as a lot of the live-action Disney films do, which is that the originality and the heart is gone. And it's yeah. just kind of like, we're happening now. But... Oh, and it has horrifying um, ventriloquist puppets in it. That's yeah, it's no. not good. I don't like it. No. Uh, it was... And it also, like, it's not even like the plot was good enough to make up for. It. And also, they totally deviated Woody's character. Because this whole thing was being loyal, that he was a toy. 
but now he runs off to basically join the carnival with Bo Peep. It's like this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Um, I, I'm really glad that that people are tuning into the Little Mermaid <laughs> podcast to hear your hear your hot takes on Toy Story Four. Listen, any chance I can get to tell people how bad that movie is, it's coming up. Hey, everyone, this is a great time for us to tell you that our sign off is changing from Dude. so long glamour boys to don't watch Toy Story 4. It's absolutely terrible. This this is this is this is like me. This this for me is like Cliff with the movie Napoleon where he's like, you bring it up and it's like, no, worst movie ever. Like, you just can't get off it. We just Napoleon, not Napoleon Dynamite. No, the movie that just came out. Oh, wow. I haven't been paying attention. I didn't see it either. So, <laughs> OK. I was uh, totally thinking Napoleon Dynamite. That's the only movie that I think of with Napoleon. But I like how blindly supportive Scuttle is. Like he doesn't care at all. He's just like, "What are my friends doing now? Can I come?" Great. Which which is it's such a bird, such, such a, bird. a bird thing. What's going on over here? Oh, that's cool gonna get distracted slightly by something else that's going on over on the opposite direction oh that's even cooler oh yeah. shiny yeah i like how sebastian's having a conscience of crisis at the moment he's like nope we're this is we're done we're leaving we're gonna go back and he says Don't, you know like we can still go back to ursula she can give you back your voice and you can go back to your family and just be and then he sees her face she's so sad because and just be miserable for the rest of your life she gives him a kiss because she knows he's coming around, puts him down on a rock, and he goes, my, what a soft shell I've turned out to be. That's very cute. And yes, and I especially appreciate how um, Ariel has been uh, on land and human for all of about three minutes, and she's already conquered puppy dog eyes. Uh, and yeah, as you said, the, the, the doe eyes, the... Aww. yeah to be fair though she had human features under the sea she's probably been using the for years now she may have but those, these were especially puppy dogs that's on true the land speaking of puppy dogs though she's about to be accosted by a sheep dog because eric's been wandering around on the shore and max smells a familiar smell he does indeed, and we finally get our official meet cute. Yeah, um, the for real, for real one, because you should always trust your dogs. Because Max starts barking and yelping, and he's leading Eric over to Ariel, whom I do appreciate was absolutely terrified of him at first. Because she's never seen, like, aside from the one time she saw him on deck, she's never seen a dog. She really, she she doesn't quite know what to expect from this creature. Yeah, because at first she's trying to run away, and then once she gets up on the rock and kind of realizes this, this thing is not going to eat her, <laughs> she calms down a bit, but it's not enough to get off the rock. <laughs> no, she's like, no, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm good up here. But it, it's really good she stays up there, because when Eric comes around the corner, it sets her up for that Instagram-ready ready pose, where she's <laughs> propped up nicely on the rock. Yes, that, oh, I didn't see you there. Hello. Hi. Isn't it amazing that I just learned how to be human and I fully understand how to keep my legs closed and in a sexy position? Don't slut shame people. Oh, I'm not slut shaming. I know, I'm just making fun. Because it's really funny when when she actually has to stand up and try to get her land legs, but um, just, I, I just imagine that somebody who hasn't had legs 
before would probably be all akimbo with them. <laughs> it's like watching small children when they first learn how to walk. Yeah. Like, ooh, they're all over the place. Yeah, like, I imagine that she'd probably be walking with locked knees because the first time she tried to stand, she didn't lock her knees and just went, ooh. Yeah. But no, she's walking. She stumbles. Okay, so Eric comes in and is like, he, I will give him credit. He visibly recognizes her. Like, he, his brain tells him, this is the girl. Because he comes up to her, is like, I found you. It's you. It's you. I I also kind of got the impression that he thought that there was a little bit of a a dream moment. Like, he was thinking that he was sort of dreaming her fate. Like, was I dreaming this girl? And actually seeing her in person is like, no, I'm not. She's completely insane. Exactly. And I thought that was, and I think I brought this up a couple times, and especially when I was talking about King Triton and the facial animation. You can see the disappointment in his face when she tries to talk and she can't. Mm-hmm. because as you were saying he's like oh my god it wasn't a dream she's real i found her it's not you but in his complete credit he is still super nice the disappointment yeah. is there for like two seconds but then he's like whoa we need to help you hang on yeah uh you were talking about how prince eric is like the best disney or one of the best disney princes yeah um and I agree with that because he he does nothing but show kindness and uh, acceptance and like wanting to help people. Like he clearly found this strange woman washed up on the beach, can't say a word to him, which wearing a sail, wearing a sail. Um, and the first thing that he does is basically go, oh, let me take you home allow you to bathe and actually get into some proper clothes like Mm -hmm. and sorry (laughs) he and i don't know if this was necessarily intentional i'm assuming that it was though he never gives off an energy to her that is in any way inappropriate like he never makes fun of her like and i don't just mean like sexually i mean like he never makes fun of her for not being able to talk he laughs at like something she does but it's because it's funny like during dinner she does something hilarious and he laughs it's not because haha stupid girl it's like that was genuinely funny and he doesn't really touch her no well he takes her hands because he thinks it's her but then when he realizes it's quote-unquote not the girl i think he lets her hands go i think it's really obvious that he's enamored with her mm-hmm oh, he thinks start. she's cute as fuck yeah i mean who wouldn't Dude, but adorable but i agree he's kind of like it's I mean, obviously, the point of the movie is he's falling in love with this girl regardless of her mm-hmm. beautiful voice. Um, and it's obvious that he fell in love with her from the moment that he saw her. And I think that that's kind of really important. But I also think that it's important that he doesn't immediately fall in love with her. It's as you said, he thinks she's cute. And yeah. then as he gets to know, like, she can't talk. So he gets to know her personality through... I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but like through the dinner and through going through town, spending time with her, like, which is actually quite healthy and normal. He's, he doesn't actually realize he likes this girl until he spends time with her. It's not just like, I saw you and you're beautiful, so I must have you. He's like, you don't see him start to really like her until kiss the girl. Well, I, I think I might be getting my timelines a little mixed up. Because I thought they had the dinner, yeah, they have the dinner um, with Ariel pretty much after he picks her up. And there that's when um, 
that's when he's definitely like fully focused on yes. her. He's... Yeah, so he's still enamored at that point, I think. But there is a scene a little bit later on that shows he hasn't quite let go of yeah the fantasy. But that's the reason that I'm saying that he's not immediately because in his brain he still thinks that that girl is out there. He yeah. thinks she's cute and everything, but it's and I think in his brain it's kind of like, oh, I like her, but she's here. It's it, to me, it had the same energy as people who are not a hundred percent over a breakup yet, but are at the precipice where they're starting to notice that other people are attractive. Yeah, I see what you mean. So he he has this obsession with the voice, basically, mm-hmm. um, and he. But then meets, a hottie showed up. Yeah, and then he meets a really cute girl visually, mm-hmm. and he's like, "This is kind of cool." I'm into this. I'm also totally obsessed with that mystery voice mm-hmm. that I have. And the and two then, don't reconcile yeah. quite yet. No. Until, of course, Ursula comes in. Well, they do. And I want to talk about that scene when we get to it. But first, um, we have the dinner scene. And I, speaking of getting my timelines mixed up, I thought I got my timelines mixed up because when we first met Louis, I thought this is where we get the uh, the very French song that I can't remember the oh. name of. Yeah. And I thought they cut it because... I was I thought it was right there and I wrote in my notes in all caps why they removed a song and then immediately underneath it I wrote never mind <laughs> well I want to say excuse so, me this movie um Eric picks her up and yes I'm sorry he brings her inside her and she has the best bubble bath Oh my ever. god I I I don't know how I didn't write it down but that's some bath envy that was this is my bubble bath dream. Like I pine right. for this many bubbles in a bath. Oh my god, it's so nice. And, and um I as a kid, I definitely remember like being in the tub and um uh kind of like pretending to be Ariel. In the bath. Wanting that many bubbles, especially bubbles yes. that you could like pick up and, and throw. Yeah. yeah. No, such a dream. Um I do like how everyone involved with this at least to her face is very nice to her like the maid carlotta isn't being judgy she's like she's fussing over her like a mother hen like oh you poor thing we washed up the store with absolutely nothing <laughs> just yeah mother henning her and i do like how when she picks up the sale her face changes from that like smile to the Ugh. she goes i'll just uh, i'll just Get this wash now. Yeah. And I'll just that... throw this away. Let's pretend it never existed. I do like how she brings it down to the laundry where the other girls are and they immediately start gossiping. Like, so no one knows about her? No. Well, well she just kind of came out of nowhere. Well, if Eric's looking for a girl, I know where he can find one. Yeah, all the while washing Sebastian. Yeah, who is in the... <laughs> Where'd the sale get a pocket? He's in a pocket. Oh, like a real... Not the folds of the garment. He is in a pocket. I heard that too. I was like, who puts a pocket on their sale? Do sales have pockets? Specifically crab-sized pockets, because this was like the size of a pocket that's perfect Excuse for me. like a pen over a crab. I found there's something called a batten pocket on a sale. Okay. Um I don't it, it looks like it's something that holds some form of piping or tubing to help with the structure that is the word i wanted to keep the structure of a sale yeah but 
That's not a clothing item pocket, which is definitely what's... put your pens. No, 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 because as you were saying, Sebastian definitely jumped out of, like, a breast pocket. (laughs) (laughs) On a sale. Um, And this is where we meet Louis for the first time, and where... This is where I thought the song Les Poissons was. It's not. This is just where Sebastian sees the kitchen and then passes out due to absolute shock. I I kind of love this scene because he witnesses such such fish murder mm-hmm. uh, in the kitchen. Um, it's and everything Triton told him about. It is. It's what you were warned about. The humans <laughs> will eat you. My father um, always warned me about this. My father warned me I might get eaten one day. <laughs> there's there's something really funny about just the horrifying look of uh, delicious food. Yeah, it's it's it. it, it my... John Oliver once did a thing where he was like, if you if you put basically Frere Jaca over any video clip, it sounds creepy. And oh, slow down, yeah. Yeah, and this reminds me of that where it's like you can if you just zoom in on delicious food, but you put like <laughs> over yeah. it, you'll get that same effect instead of what normally is, is like, oh beautiful, delicious food. No. Yeah, I, I hear that song every time I look at an amazing <laughs> buffet. Oh, beautiful, delicious food. Ready for me to eat. <laughs> it frees out Sebastian. And um, I think this is where Carlotta leads Ariel into the dining room. Yeah, so this is where we kind of have like two scenes um, yes. going on top of each other. So we have Before Ariel- they combine. Yeah, Ariel in the dining room with Eric and Grimsby. Grimsby. And then we also have uh, Chef Louis, um, who is making stuffed crab, but is spending all of his time prepping fish. <laughs> it's just so weird, this whole thing. And he's also talking to his food, it, to the food he's making, and not in the way where sometimes you're like, geez, why won't this boil? But he's like, and I'm going to stuff you in and it's wonderful that you're dead because if you weren't it would suck <laughs> I'm just saying <clears throat> I don't totally disagree with the method of talking to your food as though it's your food but I definitely always think of Bob Belcher from Bob's Burgers who will uh, talk to his food and will have the food talk back to him so there's many scenes in that show where he's like hey turkey I really love you and I really need you to cook well and the turkey's mm-hmm. like you too I love you too, Bob. Oh, don't like that. About me getting cooked, it's fine. I think before we had, I didn't write down the um dialogue, but I think before they bring Ariel into the dining room, Grimsby and Eric are talking a little bit, and I don't exactly what it was, but like, I think Grimsby is basically saying like, move on from this shipwreck and whatever. Um, it's time to get, I think what Grisby is trying to do is basically say, forget this mystery girl. But I think that the way he said it was basically move on from this thing. And I'm sort of like, he had a brush with death, dude. You need to like, give him a sec. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, the, they're, they're discussing, yeah. Giving Ariel a tour of the kingdom, uh, and Mm -hmm. all of that. And, and I think that Eric is definitely like, oh, I want to, uh, I want to do all the things with the girl. And Grisby is kind of like, well slow your roll just a little bit i actually think he's the one who's encouraging it because he's oh, the one who he wants he's the one who wants them to get married so yeah. i um eric at the end of this dinner eric um suggests as you said 
to um, give her a tour of the kingdom. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, and then we cut back to the kitchen, and this is where Les Foissons, the song, actually happens. Yes. I I will also say, because we did a two-part episode here, I did Mm -hmm. not think of, like, what song to have you sing. No, I I figured we already did one for the movie, and there are not really very many in the second half except for this one, so I figured we would skip one for this one, but... um. I do like how after he fails to cook Sebastian, this turns into man versus crab. Yes. Extreme edition. If you've never seen The Little Mermaid, number one, what the fuck are you doing? Number two, go back and watch, if for no other reason, just watch this sequence because it's hilarious. It's just, it is animated kitchen mayhem, which is an extremely specific kind of mayhem, but it, it involves food and food utensils in a way that makes the violence funny rather than scary he chef louis is violent but he's passionate and you can't blame him for being passionate um and you know we cut back to the dining room for a second and you hear a bunch of crashing so poor carlotta is just like i'm gonna go see what louis up to cut back to the kitchen where he is throwing dishes out from under a sink and he screams out get back here and fight like a man I do love that. I really love that he told the crab to fight like a man. <laughs> and then Carla goes away. She's like, Lohi! But I also love how she doesn't react in the way that, like, you see in soap operas when the mom comes home to total destruction. She's just like, again? Yeah. I. <laughs> this has 100% happened before. Um, <laughs> Chef Louis has definitely had a catch of the day try to escape (laughs) do you think there's a list of foods he's not allowed to cook anymore that they just added crab to because one of them tried to escape no i well maybe like maybe he tried to do an octopus once (laughs) i think so i think there's like a wall of shame where they have illustrations of the types of um sea creatures that have revolted and he refuses to cook those yeah that's what i'm saying like yeah Or the staff is like, we can't bring those into the kitchen because he will try to cook them. He will fail and the entire wing will blow up. So we don't do oysters anymore, Catherine. Yeah. (laughs) Do you remember the last time he tried to do sea urchin? Right. Listen, you You weren't here. An entire wing. I can imagine people two years from now being like, listen, you weren't here for the crab incident. So you just (laughs) need to stop asking questions. The Jamaican crab incident. But um, she she brings the food to the dining room, and this is where Eric officially asks her if she would like, if Ariel would like to accompany him on a tour of her kingdom. But before this is where we get the interaction with the Snarfblatt, which is initially what cracks Eric up. Well, I was also going to say, um, like the, <laughs> the kind of the conclusion of that chef That's... versus crab is he does kind of manage to catch Sebastian and stuff, quote unquote, stuff him <laughs> and. Put him under, um, put him the under dome. glass so that he's ready to play. To yes, he's been plated. Yeah. He's on. He's under the he's dome. Plated. And he has been plated. There's a so, couple yeah. jokes. There's a couple of jokes in here that are really funny. One of them is that Grimsby's lighting lighting a pipe, and Ariel sees it, gets very excited, takes it from <laughs> him. Me. Yes. Yeah. And you know he's impressed with it too because I will also say when the time period, like women were not smokers, mm-hmm. especially pipes. Like if uh, no, so him being impressed is probably 
genuine because like, why would she know anything about pipes? But I love how she does exactly as um, Scuttle taught her and blows on that bitch so hard that everything that was inside it ends up right on Crimson's face. Yeah, it's definitely like a honk type yes. of blowing into the pipe and getting everything out. I mean, what is, what is tobacco but land <sighs> to sand? Exactly. And it makes Eric laugh, which it would definitely make me laugh too. It it would make me laugh too. I, I suspect that Eric is also laughing because he's doing a little bit of a, oh, you. Maybe. Sure, but, you don't um, know. But Carlotta's come back in. Um, and is serving them and she goes and she, she's the one who says something like I haven't seen you smile in or laugh in like a really really long time yeah and Grimsby then to try to move the conversation along because he was embarrassed is like we should eat before this crab walks off my plate but little did he know that Ariel saw Sebastian on his plate and when no one was looking she waved him over under her own dome <laughs> waved him under her own dome is a hell of a phrase well that's um, where he ended up we, we ever got into what eric's family is like do we know why his parents aren't around i don't think so yeah <laughs> i also want to point out that um prince eric is not referred to as a love interest he's referred to as a deuteragonist so he and ariel are considered dual protagonists of the film kind of interesting because mm-hmm. he is pretty much a protagonist yeah it doesn't mention anything i I just quickly googled his history and it doesn't it just yeah. says that he's a skilled seaman and everything and doesn't mention anything about his parents. I bet he is a skilled seaman if you know what I mean. Kirk, um, kirk, kirk. Yeah, apparently in the in the live action remake, which we will not discuss, they decided Mm-mm. to add his mother, but I feel like that's like I think Unneeded. that needed. I think that it's weird that they don't mention anything about his parents in the movie because I think they could have had just a quick hand wavy line that Grimsby says, which is like, oh, you know, you need to get married since your parents passed away last year and the kingdom needs a ruler or whatever. I think it must be the implication because we never see or hear about them and he's got his advisor following him around in lieu of a parental person. So I'm assuming, yeah, assuming he's an orphan. It was just something that I thought of because this was a scene in particular where I was like, wouldn't they be parental there? presence should be there yeah yeah and i also noticed that eric was at the head of the table which is where the head of the family would be yeah and exactly. even if his and if his father were still alive he still wouldn't sit at the head because it would be preserved for the king exactly so i think he's an orphan <clears throat> which is almost more impressive that he was raised alone basically from whatever an age and is this kind empathetic respectful capable won't won't make anyone do anything he wouldn't do himself kid yeah uh you mean he w- didn't become a selfish asshole like yeah any- like joffrey or <laughs> whatever the fuck his name is i don't know i don't i didn't watch the show okay um, it was a bit of a different situation i don't but know yeah. but um yeah so this is where they um have agreed to go on a tour of the kingdom so um right before bed ariel's you know settling in to go to sleep and sebastian is teaching her how to flirt by saying he she needs to pucker her lips and butt her eyes like this um but before he can get her to try it out she's fallen asleep 
Can can we just say how luscious this crab's lips are? And lashes. All of a sudden, he's just taking a strip to Sephora. I'm just saying, Juvederm might exist mm-hmm. underwater. Under the I sea. I mean, they do say... <laughs> Derek Zoolander did say... That water is the essence of moisture, and that moisture is the essence of beauty. You're right, and he was a mermaid at the time, so I trust uh, him. Uh, 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 merman. Man, you're right. I am so sorry. <laughs> merman! <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um, we wake up the next day, and I have to say that the date they go on is really cute and simple, and I want to go on it. Do we go straight to her waking up or do we cut to underwater where King, King Triton is um Oh yes suddenly we, understand that she's gone. I think that that's No, we we go down and this is where we realize that not only does has she been she is missing and it's been noticed but everyone is searching for her and Sebastian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they they have not only realized Ariel is gone but equally suspicious that all of her companions are gone, which is genuinely not a good thing. So he is understandably worried. <laughs> yeah. And of course, when Sebastian's gone, apparently Triton's squire is a seahorse. We meet the seahorse earlier. The seahorse is the yeah. one that squeaked out the introductions. I thought that was going to be my point, which is like, I kind of love that Triton's like next level trusted advisor is a tiny little seahorse. Like a baby seahorse. Yeah. Baby seahorse. It's not even another mermaid. Or not even his one of his daughters. The next yeah. in line for the throne, maybe. Seahorse. No, but um, no, we but do. Yeah. I think this goes back, and I, I want to harken back to the way that Triton was animated at the end of the cove scene. That mm-hmm. very de- defeated, really sad body language because we see. So there's a couple, and again, this is where I'm really noticing the animation, the ability to capture emotion is taking an upturn because you can see when he sees the seahorse come in a little thing of hope, maybe they're coming with news. And then by the time we leave, he is slumped over in his throne and muttering to himself, what have I done? And I think that was really good animation and there was no score. Mm-hmm. And and if there was, it was extremely quiet. It was just, I think it was a really good bit of filmmaking, especially in an animated way. It was, it was, to me, it was framed the way that I would personally frame a scene from a closed room drama, very stark. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that you're bringing up the character animation because we've we've talked in the past about how um, classic Disney films, uh, you know, Snow White, um, uh, Sleeping Beauty, those types of mm-hmm. films, they really made use of having the animator sit in the room and draw from live action models. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alice in Wonderland is another example. But while those animations uh, really did a fabulous job at capturing um, natural human movements, Mm -hmm. I don't think they did a great job at capturing natural human facial expressions. And we're, we're really starting to see that now. And mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, part of that has to do with the technology being easier, mm-hmm. um, but also probably just like budget starting to focus on that a little bit more. Budget might have a small amount of it. I, d- I do think that character animation and being able to animate faces properly has more to do with the animator themselves being able to capture true, that true. than budget. Um, Cause it's just all with like, mm-hmm 
can you draw this? In well, a, I mean, also, if you have way. more time to do it, then you have more time to invest in getting the nuance of, say, like the an eyelid, an eyelid movement down. That is true. <laughs> that is true. I don't know if they had any more time on this movie than some of the other Disney movies. That's fair. Um, but I do. I like. I totally agree that the like facial animation here is spectacular and we're going to continue to see that in a lot we are. of Disney big budget films. We're also going to see it in the next scene too. And the reason I brought it up here is because Triton is not a primary character. He's a secondary character and yeah. they still animate the, um, the facial expressions really well. And in this next scene, we have a score, but no dialogue. So the entire time we only get clues uh, to how the characters are feeling based on their facial expressions. And it's a really cute scene. Cause you know, Eric takes, Ariel out dancing and he takes her to the market to show her the kingdom and you can see that they're both smiling and there's you know the language of you know him gesturing to things and her looking where he's pointing are really interesting and then we get to this carriage ride where Eric's driving at first and then he hands over the reins to Ariel who decides to go full final destination on everybody um, by launching them over a ramp but the facial expressions they tell a whole story with no dialogue you see you know at first he's, yeah you see him freaking out he is panicking she looks like she's never had a better time in her life they fly over this canyon he looks behind them with that oh my god expression but then seeing that they are alive and they're gonna make it the tension leaves his face he kicks his feet back puts his hands behind his head and all this without dialogue. It's like you get the animation is just done so well that you see the entire story being told without any words. Yeah, basically what we're witnessing here is why we have visual medium and why mm-hmm. animator, animation animators, uh, not to get too political, but um, should get have political. unions, should, should be paid for their time because this is all stuff that uh, it frankly, takes a human to know a human and to be able to get that across on screen is a huge amount of skill. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, and it Um, really is, especially again, I keep going back to that, like the facial expressions and stuff, Like you didn't, they didn't have to tell us a single thing. You could see Ariel's already in love with him. You don't need to watch that, but you can see him learning to trust her and Mm -hmm. enjoying her company and genuinely starting to fall for him by watching the way that he interacts with her. And not just listening to the words he says. Because he still talks to her the exact same kind, respectful way. But he starts leaning in a little bit closer to her. Not leaning back. Like, things that human beings really do in real life. Yeah. I uh, On a totally different topic, I think it's really nice that this kingdom has so many waterways. So that Flounder can show up and take a look at what's yeah. going on. Sebastian and Flounder have a really, really easy time swimming around to get <laughs> updates. And by updates, I mean just hearing... Not yet. Yeah. I Apparently, because uh, they go by a fountain, and I thought that Flounder and Sebastian were in that fountain. <laughs> apparently, really? I, think, I think so. I might be wrong about that. Yell at me if I am, listeners. Um, but they're, they're definitely going through waterways that are like freshwater. Yeah. Unless everything there is run on a salt water. Yeah current which i mean they're right off the ocean it might be but that'd be weird it might be but but yeah that was very lucky that they got to watch an entire day's worth of dates yeah and this brings us to another very iconic scene in the movie we are have arrived at the blue lagoon for kiss the girl 
We have arrived at the Blue Lagoon for Kiss the Girl. And as they're standing there, well, not standing, they're all sitting uh, in in their boat mm-hmm. uh, trying to get the mood started. And Sebastian is talking to Scuttle and Flounder, basically like, oh, we got to get some mood music going. And Scuttle is like, I got you, bro. And does what any good bird would do. Warbles wow, and screams. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Just just a whole bunch of yelling. But um that's what prompts Sebastian to start start the band up because he's like, um, if that continues on, they're not gonna kiss, they're gonna kill each other. Um yeah. so Sebastian also understands how to uh conduct um they have mallard ducks here. They are in fresh water. <laughs> Sorry. I'm suddenly upset by the 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 fact it's that our weird. sea creatures can get into freshwater without any issue. But yeah, he knows how to conduct a freshwater orchestra that he's never met before. Yeah, that's how good of a um composer Sebastian is. He's he's just a great conductor composer. Yeah. And he can get everyone on board with it because yeah, as you pointed out, everyone does this Beautifully symphonic number, which again, if you've never seen The Little Mermaid, go listen to Kiss the Girl. You have heard this song before, whether you realize it or not. If if you are very young, uh, you might be familiar with Ashley Tisdale's version of Kiss the Girl, which apparently managed You better to... not be familiar with Ashley Tisdale's version of Kiss the Girl. Well, apparently it made it to number 16 on the no, it did Billboard not. Hot 100 in 2007 or Looking something really... like that. Why? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm Googling this. I have too many I was questions. actually, okay, it made it to Billboard's Bubbling Under Hot 100 singles. At what does 16. that mean? And then one week later, the song debuted on the Billboard Hot 100 at number 81. Yeah, this I is not know. good. I don't know. The fact is, Ashley Tisdale apparently had a Billboard charting version of Kiss the Girl, and I'm going I don't to know assume why. that this is around the same time as the Jonas Brothers doing their version of Poor Unfortunate Souls. I don't know, but I've heard enough of that song. Um, but you know who also heard enough of that song? Ursula. I was going to say, it's either Ursula or Eric because he was like, I'm done listening to this and just want to kiss No, <laughs> two things though. I did skip over that. For, in the middle of the song, there is a little break for dialogue where Eric is trying to guess Ariel's name, which I do have to give him credit for because if I was trying to talk to someone who could not communicate with me, I'd be like, where do I even start? Hmm. Um... But Sebastian probably would have started this earlier. Also, <laughs> same. But I do like that Sebastian cheats immediately and pops his head out of the water. Is like it's Ariel. It goes along with it, like yeah. I would be like, who? Ariel? Yeah. Like, do you okay? Do you remember you the um old Super Bowl commercial that was like a bunch of frogs going Budweiser, saying Budweiser, just like no. Okay, there was this old Super Bowl commercial where it was just three bullfrogs on lily pads and one would go bud, the next one would go wise, the last one would go er. And that was like their... Um, oh, I think I remember this. Yeah, so it's just like this sound that you hear. I was just thinking how funny it would be if a frog behind Eric just went, bud. And he goes, bud? Is that your name? <laughs> you picked just up on the wrong to- one. Yeah, listen to random random sounds in the water and assume that it's the person's name yep because he rolls with it quickly and but again going back to the animation of like how i can tell they're getting closer like he he takes her hands and she she leans forward into him like 
they're getting closer. They're flirting. They're doing, they're doing it. And they are actually, by the end of the song, they are about to kiss like an organic yes. kiss, not a faked one. This looks, this is real. This is slow lean in eyes closed first kiss energy until <laughs> a couple of eels intercede. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just, cause we keep talking about the animation. So I wanted to see like, who was animating Ariel? And the animators uh, You muted for a second. I can't hear you. Hear me? Now. Now I can hear you. <laughs> um, so the two two men who were assigned to animate Ariel are were Mark Hen, who is uh known for animating um, popular Disney main characters such as Ariel, Belle, Jasmine, Pocahontas, Mulan, Giselle, and Tiana. Wow. So that's quite a list. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't retire (laughs) until actually uh, December 2023. So he was working. Wow. Up until now. He was with Disney for 43 years. And then the other person who animated Ariel was Glenn Keane. Keane. Who is also uh, the son of Bill Keen, the creator of the comic strip Family Circus. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting connection there. Yeah. Um, And apparently he retired from Disney in 2012. So he also worked Mm -hmm. there for 40 years. So two very well-established artists, which I think truly helps explain, like, why we're seeing such amazing... um, facial expressions there were there were other artists as well that worked on other characters mm-hmm. uh, duncan majority banks on sebastian uh andreas jeha on king triton and ruben aquino on ursula mm-hmm. nice yeah those are some profoundly talented animators they do excellent jobs on everybody yeah um yeah speaking of facial expressions we go underwater here with ursula um because flotsam and jetsam have turned over eric and ariel's boat to yeah. interrupt the kiss and you see Ursula seething. She is. She also calls Ariel a tramp, which I think is hilarious. Because she was like, they were getting too close. That was too close. The little tramp. <laughs> I, I love I love how Ursula is like, how dare this girl do, do exactly what she came to me to do. Right. <laughs> um, and this is where she hatches her own devious plan. And she transforms herself into a beautiful brunette with Ariel's voice because she still has it. The nega version of Ariel. Yeah, basically. <laughs> That's what she is. She's just a little bit more edgy, a little bit more sexy, like that kind of more older sexiness. Mm-hmm. And and black hair. Yes. That's how and you know she's evil. Then we cut to um Eric on the balcony. He's playing his flute, the Ariel's vocalizing. I actually like the scene because Grimsby comes over to talk to him mm-hmm. and he doesn't say much. All he says to him is basically, you know, Eric, better than any dream girl is one that's here, warm, caring, and right before your eyes. And he's being very realistic where he's kind of like, basically, like that girl may not even fucking exist, but there is one here that is sweet, nice, and you like her. And going once again to the facial animation, you see Grimsby walks away and you see Eric look at his flute for a moment 
And you can see him making, and then he looks up at the tower where he can see Ariel getting ready for bed. She's standing mm -hmm. in the window. And uh, yet you can see him making the decision to let go of this fantasy version. And for people who need it a little more obvious, he then turns and throws his flute away into the water. If you like, I'm like, I can't chase a ghost voice anymore. And he's a, he, you see him about to walk inside to talk to her when yeah. Ursula shows yeah. up. Yeah, it's uh, it could not have been timed any better for Eric mm -hmm. to have his epiphany that he needs to love the person who's in front of him. Um, and then he hears the voice. I guess it's also accurate to say that he hears the voice, but nobody's speaking it. Like, like the words are not coming out of Vanessa's mouth. They're coming from the shell where she's captured Ariel yeah. voice on her, on her uh, neckline, ne neckline, necklace. <laughs> and she also, the magic from the seashell necklace goes to Eric. And not only does he recognize the voice, but I think like once he looks over and sees her, it literally enchants him. Yeah. He becomes hi hypnotized. And again, speaking of facial animation, they show a difference between the way that he behaves and is animated. When he's hypnotized, he stands up way straighter. His face is slacker. It's interesting. Yeah, he's dead-eyed. Yeah, it's and it's it's really interesting because, again, it just shows to the talents of it. And also, it it brought me back to the times beforehand when the movies had characters whose eyes were a little bit more more dead just because they hadn't quite got that technology up to where it is right now. It was just, it was really interesting. I said it's, that like 17 times. Well, it's something that I, um, I wanted to very quickly see uh, if I could figure out a difference in his eyes, because I'm thinking of, of something and I'm well, they're bright yellow. time. They're kind of yellow when we see him, when he's hypnotized because of the charm. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, so they um so one way that that like animation typically likes to show kind of dead eyes, somebody who's robotic is they'll take away the um the reflection in your eyes. Mm -hmm. But you're right, they don't do it for Eric. They basically make that reflection yellow mm -hmm. to to show that it's enchanted, but they also just kind of give him a little bit more of a lid so his eyes yes. are not fully open but they're not fully closed he's just kind of in stasis yeah the, there is a distinct there's subtle distinct changes also like when you watch Ariel and Eric talk they have animated faces but when he talks after being enchanted it's mostly just his mouth moving yeah he's a puppet it's really it's just it's interesting the details that they put into this whole thing but Ariel um also finds this really interesting because Scuttle comes into her bedroom to wake her up and is like congratulations haven't you heard? The prince is getting married. Yeah, the way that this is framed is really interesting because we basically see the prince get enchanted, mm -hmm. see him meet Vanessa. Not even. Yeah, she's I guess we still don't see him. all the way down on the shore when he sees her and gets enchanted. Like she's almost a mile away. Yeah. So then we just we just cut to. Yeah, we cut to the next morning. The next morning. Yeah. Is it really the next morning, or is it just a? Yeah. I think it was a little bit later. Well, this was happening when Ariel was getting ready for bed. Oh, you're right. So it was the next morning. Yeah. So the next morning, Scuttle wakes her up and she's all excited. She fluffs her hair in the mirror for a second and then goes running down to find everyone. 
And that's when we see Eric and Vanessa together for the first time. Because Grimsby is talking to him and he's apologizing. He's basically like, I you know, I was wrong. The she's really she's real. She's she there she is. Yeah, it's amazing how she makes the noise that you were talking about exactly, Eric, without moving her mouth. But she's a pretty good lip syncer. She must be. I mean, she's doing a good job. Yeah. We see her later on on the ship singing to herself with Ariel's voice. That's true. But there's definitely moments where the voice just came from the shell, right? Am I misremembering this? I think the implication is that she needs to have it close to her throat so that it works on her mm. so maybe like when it's clo- when it's touching her neck it can be like a voice modulator because she doesn't speak in her real voice until after the seashell breaks later on yeah you're right okay so it is, and she it is, is a voice modulator and it is and the um this is vanessa's voice is voiced by jody benson who does ariel's voice so it's the same woman she just gives it a little bit more of an edge but i think the implication is that it's it's a magical voice modulator yeah, 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 that makes more sense. Okay. Yeah, because, um, yeah, we go from here to outside where the wedding barge is taking off and Ariel is sobbing on the deck. Okay. <laughs> I have thoughts on this. Firstly, okay. where'd they get a wedding barge? W- well, that's, that's a, that's a sub bullet of a question that I have. My main bullet, my main question is how, uh, Grimsby first off protests tries to protest having an immediate wedding. So oh yeah, that's right. There is which I thought was super thinking. interesting. Yeah, because yeah. typically in Disney movies, as we have seen, Cinderella, uh, Sleeping Beauty, all of these movies, weddings happen basically in that afternoon. But not only that, but up until now, Grimsby's been very much like you have to get married, you have to get married, you have to get married. Yeah. So I think it's it's interesting that disney has taught us that kingdoms can just pull weddings out of nowhere but grimsby doesn't like this idea i think tries to say something i think that grimsby is on ariel's side without realizing he's on ariel's side because he's come to like ariel over the couple he's the one that he i think he initially is the one who suggests that eric take ariel on a tour of the kingdom he's the one who the day before was like listen you should look at you know Pay attention to this girl. I think Grimsby likes Ariel, and all of a sudden, this other bitch has shown up, and he's like, "Hang on, I just got used to this redhead." Yeah, and we need to also keep in mind the time frame for all of this stuff because it's been two days. Exactly. Because Ariel had three days. <laughs> and yes, are, uh, Ursula all- made that very clear. Yeah, and we're on the third day. Obviously, Ursula wants to get this wedding in now, um, so that Ariel doesn't have a chance mm-hmm. to fix anything by sundown mm-hmm. um but yeah i'm sure you know what i bet it was i bet that grimsby was like i really like the other girl she's really quiet and really <laughs> amenable to things and she doesn't ask for us to to make a wedding happen in three hours yeah she just smiles and nods and looks at you adoringly and yeah, she's great ignore the fact that she like doesn't understand how to use my pipe no, it's fine. I can get a new pipe. But what I can't get is another girl that doesn't have murder in her eyes. Yeah, Vanessa has murder in her I eyes. I think that's what he sees. I think he sees, this bitch is going to kill me. Yeah. Um, She doesn't get a chance, though, because the wedding barge takes off and leaves Ariel on the deck. And I, I this, this just goes back to, like, Scuttle entertains me because 
it's clear that as soon as Ariel ran out of the bedroom, he just left. Like he did not go to follow up on that conversation at all because he's still in a grand mood. He's still humming to himself in a good mood. And then he hears something. It's just a little too familiar for him. Oh, not only does he hear something a little too familiar. To well, him. he initially goes over there. Yep. Yeah. He initially goes over to the window because he hears the singing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that he thinks it's the real Ariel because it's her voice. And he's probably going to go in there and congratulate her because he sticks his head in the porthole and then goes. Because he sees what Galley just showed me her doodle. Vanessa's singing to herself about how she's going to basically own Ariel and take over the ocean. And then she brings the vanity mirror up. And instead of the reflection of Miss Beautiful Vanessa in the mirror is the cackling sea witch herself. Ursula. Yeah. Which, uh, this brings up a whole host of wonderful witchy questions. Mm-hmm. Which is, presumably, Ursula is using some type of illusion spell to make herself appear as Vanessa. She also that's must why be we see the mirror. physically changing herself as well, because Eric's got his arm around her and is that... like, holding her hand. Yeah, and so that's kind of my question, like, how does this all work? I have a theory that she thinks that she is hot shit no matter what she looks like. So she just wants to see both of herself. Ah, oh, I see. So this like she already like... looked at herself skinny bitch and now she wants to see her divine self. Yeah, which we, we didn't really get into that. But no, do you, you want to briefly? Know, yeah, Ursula's, Ursula's character design is based on infamous drag queen Divine, um, who was made famous by... Uh, filmmaker john waters, john waters bringing her into a whole bunch of movies um probably the most family friendly that you could see divine as was as uh the main character's mother in the movie hairspray the original hairspray mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> not the newer hairspray no um very uh very obvious drag queen influence makeup when you look at Ursula's eyebrows and the fact that Divine was also a heavy set person. And um, also look at the eyeshadow specifically. Yeah. It's a very yeah. distinct sort of like o- very severe oval. It, it's it's a very funny like circular logic here because drag queens are supposed to, well initially were um basically uh heightened versions of women because they mm-hmm. love femininity and just bringing it to the next level and adding extra drama to it so having a man dressed as a woman be the inspiration for a female character it's kind of a nice little circle there it is but um also also just gonna add to like the small little subtlety here of um disney continuing to perpetuate gay being villain yeah, we see that a lot here. Um, but Scuttle has seen enough. Yes. And he, first of all, he hits his head on, um, well, he gets out of the porthole and then immediately slams into the ship itself, which I think is extremely funny. Um, and then beelines back to shore where they have, he has a brief interaction with Sebastian where he yells at them and finally tells them that Eric is marrying the sea witch in disguise. And Sebastian asks if he's sure. And I love Scuttle's response. He goes, have I ever been wrong? I I mean, when it's important. 
Yeah, Scuttle also saw saw that the watch was witching the mirror and singing with a stolen set of pipes. Yeah, it was. It sounded a bit like a Mad Lib. Yeah, <laughs> the what? And he was saying it with gritted teeth. The what was witching the mirror with a stolen set of pipes? <laughs> yeah, how do you not understand that? Exactly, but um. I do, I do like that Sebastian was like, I need to be sure. Like, you're not one of those friends that I can just, I can't just take your word for it. I need to be sure. And then verify. (laughs) Yes, because once he does verify, to his credit, they spring into action. Sebastian snips some barrels free. Because I do think it's funny, though, um, that Ariel has not learned to swim as a human. No. She has no idea. It's because, um, Flounder turn, uh, turns a barrel and rope into a little chariot for Ariel to try to get her out to the barge. And knowing that that's going to take 643 years, Sebastian sends Scuttle off to stall the wedding. And I like how Scuttle's definition of stall that wedding is nautical chaos. I mean, isn't that anybody's <laughs> definition? I mean, it, it's what I would love. <laughs> I I think it's I think it's impressive that uh, apparently this wedding that was put together in less than a day needs to be destroyed because any other wedding that I know of that was put together in less than a day doesn't need any outside influence to be a wreck. <laughs> no, but this one's apparently going really well because we yeah. get a little uh, scene on deck. First of all, everyone is wearing their beautiful clothes. The red carpet's rolled out. The organ is playing and. Vanessa is walking down the aisle in a what's obviously bespoke wedding dress. She That's also gorgeous. kicks Mac in the face because yeah, he growls at her because he knows who she's about. So with her high fucking heel, she kicks a dog in the face. That, like, Jesus. So we also need to point out that this, this wedding barge is full of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, packed. It, nobody, the guest nobody list was full. reacts to it at all. I don't think they saw it. Uh, they might not have. He kind of growled at her from like behind somebody's ankles. So I think as she was walking by, she just went like a bam. I I'm just gonna say like but in general, still, I don't all like of the it. guests on this boat are very like open to whatever happens yeah they're very non-reactive as we find out they we find this out in just a few minutes because while vanessa's been walking down the aisle in relative serenity scuttle has been screaming up and down the coast in the lagoon assembling every variety of creature that will come and at about four seconds 25 percent of the population of sea creatures in the atlantic ocean are about to crash this wedding i loved this crashing wedding scene as a child this was i still love it as an adult (laughs) yeah well i'm just saying like there is so much mayhem that happens because of these sea creatures and vanessa gets thoroughly wrecked and the funniest thing to me is tossing her into the gigantic cake (laughs) and i the thing i like about it all is that it is all stereotypical animal mayhem like the seals bounce her off their nose into the cake. When she gets out of the cake, the dolphins jump out of the water and spray her down. Um, a bunch of starfish suction cup themselves to her, including one directly over her mouth when she starts yelling just to be like, Shut up! Yeah, I love, I love the starfish. Oh yeah, oh the birds fly under her skirt just to annoy the shit out of her. They dive bomb wedding guests to get them out of the way. Mm-hmm. I love this scene 
I also love it a lot because I think it's extremely funny to me because Vanessa is obviously unsurprised by this. Like, I think she almost expected it because instead of being like, what's happening? She's just like throwing them away from her and being like, let's alone, get off. Uh, one might think that this is not the first time that <laughs> Ursula's plans have tried to be thwarted. By the various <laughs> creatures of the sea. By the various creatures of the sea. So she's just like, she is, She, you, you're, you're right. Like, she's not surprised by no. a lot of this. Like, <laughs> oh, I expected the revolt. I just didn't expect it to be this lame. Like, that's she's she like, reacts. Yeah, she's like mad and an, she's not even angry and like, a, I'm going to retaliate fine. Like, when she gets out of the cake, she looks more like, again, this has like mom coming home to a house party energy. When she gets out of the cake, she's more just like, yeah. I'm not angry. Wait, yes, I am. Yes. But I'm also disappointed. It's such a funny energy where she's mostly just like, God damn it, I hope that this won't happen, but it's happening again. Get off me. Well, um, I mean, she she also just kind of assumes that like, <laughs> whatever. I am the sea witch. I'm gonna get married to this boy. I have uh, my my stupid necklace. Whatever you guys are doing is just wasting my time. Well, it wasted enough time because Ariel is, has managed just to not kill Flounder. And has managed to make it to the boat and climb up the side. And when she does, we see that finally Scuttle has gotten a hold of the necklace and is trying to rip it off of her, of Mm -hmm. a Vanessa. But because she has both her hands free, she is trying to strangle him. But Max, the good boy, comes to the rescue, comes up behind Vanessa and takes a big old giant chomp right out of her ass. Max gives her the proper comeuppance legit getting kicked like uh-huh and because and i have to admit she clearly was not expecting many things she was not expecting to get bit in the butt by a dog because she releases scuttle and screams yeah maybe maybe this was her <clears throat> uh first encounter with a uh land dog yeah she was ready for the land pup for the uh, sea puppies the the yeah, seals se- the seals are good the sea she was ready for fine. those um because this is when everything um kind of breaks down the necklace goes flying it breaks and the um the golden magic hypnosis disappears from eric's eyes spell is broken and the voice goes back to its rightful owner ariel yeah i I I know that we get near the end of the movie with this because we're we're about to reach the climax. Well, we're we're kind of in the climax. Yeah, we've got about fifteen movie. minutes we're, left, I think. Yeah, we're about to reach the climax. But yeah. not <laughs> only does Ariel get her voice back um, within a very short amount of time, mm-hmm. Eric is de-illusioned. Yeah, as soon as uh, the um, Ursula, seashell breaks, yeah, and Ursula her illusion stays. Back. Okay, no, her, her illusion, illusion stays. She stays. It stays until she chooses to break it. Yeah, but all of this, all of these things happen within a very short amount of time. Yes. And again, the entire wedding party that's in attendance is taking all of this very well. I think they all ran below deck. Maybe they did. I, I don't think we see them anymore. Maybe, maybe that's true. I I, I I couldn't quite. Remember. Oh no, they're still up there. Yeah, they're still up there. They're just standing there. Like a few oh. of them are because. When when Ursula reveals herself, it ha- so Eric is dehypnotized and Ariel calls out to him and he recognizes this is her voice, not the yeah. one with the weird sexy edge. This is who I was looking for. And, you know, the sun is going down. She's trying to explain. It's like, I'm try- I tried to tell you I wanted to. 
And this is where we hear um, Ursula in Vanessa's body still say, Eric, get away from her. But it's Pat Carroll. Yeah. Back again. Um, Eric goes to kiss her. But just as he's about to, the sun sets. And Ariel collapses to the deck with a fin. Ursula. So so when Ursula transforms herself. Right now. this This happens now. This scene was honestly quite freaky as a kid like it's done really well with oh, I, yeah. I love the tentacles the way that they just kind of like show up and like flop all over each just other burst out yeah they just explode and she does it she summons lightning down into her fingertips and that ex- basically explodes the vanessa facade yeah that's honestly pretty kick-ass I read somewhere or heard from someone that apparently according to like the lore or whatever, humans do not know that mer people exist. And in 10 seconds, a girl turns into a mermaid and the knot bride explodes into an octopus. This is what I'm saying. Everybody on that ship who is human <laughs> is taking all of this knowledge. They don't take this stride. well. Because I think we see, we cut to somebody in the audience and they're going. Like, yeah, but everyone nobody- is. But nobody's like like diving off of the ship. Eric no, that's himself, true. Well, it, Eric in real life, if this had happened to him, his head would actually explode. Explode. There'd be many more people literally passing out. <laughs> yeah. Instead, he's just like, oh my god. Well, this is a lot to take in, but I need to save. Like, like I need to be with my true love, basically. <laughs> well, what I really like is so the, I was telling you that I love all the sign offs that we get in these movies. Mm-hmm. Ursula crawls over to Ariel because they don't have legs anymore grabs her and right before jumping over the side of the boat into the ocean she looks at eric goes so long lover boy and i'm 90 percent sure she winks at him wink or like blows him a kiss she does something cheeky and then just jumps overboard with his with his true love yeah <clears throat> that's a that's a good sign off and it's very funny yeah <laughs> two things here now we ursula how did oh ursula um, takes her down well not only that i was gonna say how did triton get involved sebastian went and got triton yeah that's right kind of while this is all going on yeah he's yes he sends he's he basically is like where he delegates he's like sebastian stall the wedding flounder get ariel to the boat i'm i'm gonna do i have to say like i'm not I brought this up last time too, where I was like, I'm not a huge fan of tattletaling, but there's a couple situations where you need to get the parent before they got to Ursula is when Sebastian should have intervened with Triton. And right now is also a great time to have gotten her father. Actually like three days prior would have been a great time to get her dad. But I appreciate that when shit really hits the fan, they're like, yeah, we have to, we have to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We need dad. <laughs> we need to get, and I he helped. <laughs> He kind of does, though. He, I, the, the, so he doesn't help because he gives Ursula what she wants, but he helps by being a father. That is okay. That is true. That is true. He, he, you know, outside of the context of being a king, he chooses to make the sacrifice for his daughter. That's true. Um, because, uh, we get, yeah, I skipped ahead. I'm sorry. Confronting (laughs) Ursula. Um, and that's mm-hmm. where they have their little tete-a-tete and yes. uh, basically Ursula is like, no, 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 Ariel's my slave. And then Triton's like, well, let me try to, you know, get yeah. rid of, get he rid tries of contact, to find the, the trident. His trident is magic. Yeah. Um, and so he tries to destroy it using the trident's magic and it doesn't work. Yeah. 
uh, because apparently legally binding contracts <laughs> and magically legally binding contracts are indestructible indestructible yeah <laughs> yes but um, she lets him know she'd be open in open to a barter yeah i'll trade with you <laughs> mm-hmm. and this is where that's why i bring up that it's sort of that's why i was bringing up that like maybe he he didn't make the right decision in terms of like long term maybe for the kingdom necessarily but he made the right decision as the father of a child which is difficult i yes it is very difficult because not all parent wants to trade their life for their child um, no. to but become almost... a snot goblin no and this is going to be weird and like crazy controversial like this might be one of those strange statements that people are like what do you know you don't have kids but i'm like i think that if you genuinely love your children there's there's some situations obviously this is not the case for like if your kids do bad things and like for example it, this is terrible but if your kid's a murderer or something i'm not saying you need to take their place in jail but something like this situation where it's like ariel is 16 she had no idea what the fuck she was signing up for because she's a child she yeah. started playing adult games as a kid and basically made a bargain that she could not pay back which is her entire life and in this particular case, it's like, I don't know. I think that this is the right decision to make as a parent. This would have been a, an, an awful lesson for him to say she just needs to learn, I think. But to be fair, it would have also been like, you did make this choice. Like, I can't save you from everything. Yeah. Um, I'm making I, a lot of weird arguments here. No, I agree with you. I just don't really like... I, I don't really have a counterpoint because the only thing that I have to say is, yeah, I agree. Like if I were a parent and my child mm -hmm. was uh, stuck in a magically legally binding contract with a sea witch, <clears throat> might be, I might, I might be willing to at least like see what I could do to trade places well, with them. I, I've lived a good life being king of the sea and old Okay, My instead childhood. of instead of being a magic weird bargain, maybe like they join a gang. Your kids join a gang and they want to get out and in order to get out, they either need it's like the offer is well we can either beat them up and they might die so because it's going to be such a bad beating or you could take the beating. Mom. Yeah. And we'll let you go. That to me is kind of similar where it's like I didn't put you in a gang at 16 years old, but if you know, if you got that far into something that deep and the only way out is for one of us to accept an absolute beatdown, if it was my kid, it'd be like, you don't put a hand on him. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be That's what case. I would do. Yeah. I probably <laughs> I probably would. Yeah, I and I mean know. this is again as we don't have kids. Yeah. This is this is a hypothetical that I that I have uh not put a lot of thought into. Me neither, but Triton does make the choice. He becomes a little snot ghoul. And I do have to say, once again, going back to facial animations, you see Ariel come up to this poor, pathetic little goblin that used to be your father. And she's just, her whole face looks not just like, I'm sorry, I stole a cookie, but like, I am like from the bottom of my soul. I'm so sorry. Oh, there is a lot of guilt there. Oh, yeah. yeah and when she I, says, she, I'm sorry, one more thing, but like, she says like, daddy, in this tone of voice, and you can like hear the I'm about to cry yeah in it it's it's like um you fucked up kiddo oh oh yeah like she's <laughs> she has big regrets big big rag rats um <laughs> i also uh, so so i'm going to continue to call these little uh cursed uh creatures snot goblins but apparently I've they're been officially calling them... called polyps 
I've been calling them ghouls. Or ghoul, yeah. Oops. Okay, they're polyps. No, I mean, it doesn't matter. We're not going to no. call them what they're officially called, because polyp is barely a descriptive for what these things are. No. Yeah. But, oh, cut to the surface really quickly. This is where we start seeing more of Eric's autonomy, because he is <laughs> in a rowboat, and <laughs> Grimm is, is basically trying to tell him, get back here, and he's basically telling him, fuck you. And he says, Grimm, I lost her once. I'm not going to lose her again. That was... That's the line. And I think that's a really kind of, it's a cute line from him where it's like, nah, nope, nope. Yeah. This happened one time already. And now that I know she's real, fuck that. He also manages to track them. He is good enough of a seaman that he manages to track them, which leads back to our conversation earlier on about how far underwater they are. There is a lot of magic going on below the surface. Do you think that it was glowing? Like, do you think that maybe he just saw it? Because the, the, you do yeah. see later on, there is a scene where we see from Eric's point of view, there's a bunch of stuff glowing below. So maybe that's how he found them. But you're right. He did manage to cast off from shore in the exact right way to find them. Yeah, I I think some of the magic could help with that. But sure. Let's not get too scientific here. Let's think about how light refracts off of water and how, like, if you look underwater and you see an item there, it's not really in the location that you're looking at. It might be, you know, 50 feet over to the right. It might be um, 50 feet higher than you think it is. Mm -hmm. Like, like, there's a lot of ways that that light interacts with it. So it's still, he's an experienced seaman probably we're 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 also hand waving this away because this kids movie has 15 minutes left in it exactly (laughs) because he manages to find them and he not only i like he he just keeps getting better and better because he not only he doesn't just sit there and wait for them he dives under the water with the only weapon he's really got that'll work underwater a harpoon and tries to harpoon ursula from the back he doesn't he misses her he like grazes her arm but yeah he's like going for it Eric has two weapons at his disposal. One harpoon and another harpoon. Well, <laughs> I was going to say the harpoon and his incredible ability to hold his breath underwater. That's why I'm thinking he must have grown up there. Because you know those people that grow up doing a bunch of crazy underwater training and shit who can hold their breath for like two minutes? He must be one of those people. Yeah. Because he's full eyes open under the water holding his breath and shooting a harpoon at a moving target. And he still manages to hit her arm. Yeah. That's pretty that's, fucking impressive. That's extraordinarily impressive. It is. And this is where the two factions get together because we've been we've seen we've seen Eric separately and Ariel separately and now they're in the same place. She's telling him to get out of there. Because and I do also appreciate the the physics of it all cuz Eric can swim, but he's obviously swimming at a much slower speed than Ariel and everybody else because he has limbs. <laughs> Disadvantage. But no, but it makes it it matters because she's telling him to get out of there probably because it's like you're going to get caught by something. You're too slow. You can't breathe down here. And he's swimming up to try to get above water. He does, but Flossum well, and Jetsum get him. Yeah, I was going to say, and and like the warnings were very true because Flossum mm-hmm. and Jetsum are the ones that are going to try to pull him back under. And and they do. Yeah, he he breaks surface, and this is where I I noticed he had a second harpoon because when I was younger, I thought he was just trying to breathe. He was coming back to try to get the second one, ah. um, but he didn't grab because you see him reach into the boat for a sec, but then he goes back under because Flotsam and Jetsam get him. And <laughs> yeah, that was about to be the end of it. Um. Oh, 
Fonda and Sebastian, though, save him. They do, because um, they're bringing him down to <laughs> Ursula. Um, and I have to... Uh, Sebastian's down, come, man. <laughs> yeah, but Sebastian's come a full 180 on Eric. He He's the one who tells Flounder they have to go help him. Mm-hmm. So they release him, and Ursula tells him... tells. Sorry, um, ask me about that in a second. Um, Ariel... <laughs> I, was, I scrolled too far down in the wiki, and there's okay. a screenshot of um, a younger Eric in the TV series, and he looks... <laughs> it's not great. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. Also, Gally, I'm going to send this to you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, but I'm sorry. I need to get... What was I saying? Um. So, oh, so God. we were talking about the death of uh, Flotsam and Jetsam. Oh, yeah, because... um. Ursula's about to magic trident him to death, but Ariel runs over and grab. I think she fully grabs her head or something. She grabs like Ursula's whole head and yanks her backwards. Yeah. Also, this is you, you sent me this image and this is ang- angering me. This is angers me. <laughs> Who drew these? I don't. Oh, some. It's Some bad. Poor animator. Some I'm poor so animator. sorry, everyone. I did not um, mean to detract from the everything that's happening. Also, peep Ariel in the background. She looks like she came from the dollar store. Uh, Ariel uh, in the background of this uh, this picture that you shared um, still looks better than some of what my doodles look like, but she does not. Yeah. She she is definitely the equivalent of we have Ariel at home. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, Ursula manages to use King Triton's trident and accidentally kill her babies. Or as she calls them, my poor little poopsies. Her poopsies. Her poopsies have gone poofed. They've gone poof. Nothing but ash underwater. (laughs) Yes. And this is when she starts farting out the world's biggest ink cloud to enlarge herself. Like any good cephalopod. Just just ballooning a cloud of ink out. And then she expands to like, she blows herself up to like the biggest Ant-Man size. Yeah, she becomes a Kraken. She absolutely does. Because we see Eric and Ariel embracing and then they get separated by the tines on the crown Ariel is, I mean, Ursula is wearing. Yeah, yeah. So they're um, kind of above water like, oh, oh, this isn't good. This isn't good at all. Why are we on top of this giant woman? Well, they dive into the water and Ursula, I don't remember exactly how it happens, but she separates them. She, okay, she makes the whirlpool. Yeah. She makes the whirlpool and I don't remember exactly how she sends Eric flying. I thought... It was, she makes the whirlpool and that's what separates them. So they kind of become distance from each other. Yes. And then she's able to like use like, um, did she use a tentacle? She does something to basically like slap Ariel out of the current. So yeah. she lands in the now exposed bottom of the sea. And the other thing that's happening is when she's created the whirlpool, a bunch of shipwrecks have been caught in its currents, and Eric catches the rope on one of the shipwrecks and gets himself on board. That's quite That's quite polite of her <laughs> to bring up all of the shipwrecks so that this human has something to hang on to. Something to stand on? 
Yeah. And it was nice enough that she brought up one that apparently the helm was still connected. Right. Because he was able, we see later on he's able to steer the ship. But for now, Ariel is trapped at the bottom of this whirlpool. And Ursula has decided to start playing a first-person shooter game. <laughs> <laughs> with Ariel at the bottom. Trying to aim with that that trident. That massive trident and trying to hit Ariel at the bottom, who is by now kind of like arm hopping around to get out of the way. Because to be <laughs> fair to her, what else can she do? She doesn't have legs. No, she doesn't. She has fins and two arms. So she is she is flop dropping. She is flop dropping rolling all over the bottom here, trying not to get smacked. But this goes back to, again, Eric being, you know, very involved in the story instead of leaving Ariel to fend for himself and surviving just by himself. He commandeers the shipwreck, which has a broken um, beam at the front, like a broken prow. Mm -hmm. And and, and he realized that his initial harpooning efforts failed. So he's going to try one more time. What better to harpoon a giant sea monster with than a ship? It's the bowsprit. Part of a ship. It is. It is part of a ship. It is normally, I mean, it's broken on this ship, which is why it's super splintered, but it is a huge piece of wood. And yeah, right before Ursula is about to turn Ariel into a shish kebab, he does it to her. Yeah. Shish kebab the witch. (laughs) Oh, you know where I got that saying? I got that saying from the second Little Mermaid. Which saying? Because I just said shish kebab a witch, and I really wish that that was the same. No, um, Ursula apparently has a sister named Morgana who shows up to a thing and was like, I wish Ursula could be here, but you all shish kebabbed her! Thanks, I hate it. Of course she is a sister. She does. (laughs) Of course. She does. Uh Um... (laughs) But that's all it took. All you yeah. all you need is to pop a giant witch for the ocean to go back to normal. <laughs> to be fair, though, if someone stabbed me in through the stomach with any part of a ship, I would also die. I, I don't want to get into it because I don't think that we have time. Um, but this has always been something that's on my mind when it comes to uh, killing gigantic creatures. It's always so amazing to me how they have they all have weak spots. Mm-hmm. Where they will instantly die if you hit them, um, because we also, you know, th- there's there's media and novels and all kinds of things where you'll have a, a giant the size of a mountain, and people will throw nothing like so many tiny arrows at them, and they'll be fine, and they'll be like, this is fine, this is just bouncing off of me because mm-hmm. it's huge. This is like getting a tiny scratch, and then one person will like shoot an arrow into their eye, and yes. that's what gets them because that was their weak point. So Ursula's weak point, I think, is is obviously her, her abdomen, because why not? But, but to be also fair, <laughs> it wasn't just a sword or something. It was a giant beam of wood. Oh, yeah. Um, but she, she's also a magical witch and theoretically. It's true. Herself. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, <laughs> I but will doesn't. say she does try to kill Eric on her way down because she does wrap all of her tentacles around that ship. But he does manage to jump off. But I appreciate that she was like, I'm trying. I'm going to take you down with One of the two of you is coming with me. So she sinks to the ocean floor. Assumedly, she goes back to her original size. I'm assuming so. 
I'm assuming it's a, the spell will be broken thing because we also go down and see all the mer the mer polyps turning back into mer people. Yeah, and her uh, her new accessories, King, King Triton's um, crown and trident, happen to fall off and land back on. Well, the the, the nope, the crown landed around King Triton, so that yeah, when the crown lands human around. size again, which is I mean, mer person size again lucky but i'm assuming that the crown has some type of like um uh thor's hammer deal <laughs> where it just goes back to him if it's if like it's a boomerang person's head yeah <laughs> uh because you're right like all of them are people get to have their curse lifted and we talked about how in the first episode mm-hmm. all of them are people also look beautiful because we're assuming that whatever enchantment ursula did to them was permanent so they get to keep that so kind of a net positive really yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Then well, then we get wrap up. We do. We see that Eric has managed to drag himself to shore. He has lived. And we see Ariel watching him sadly from a rock. And this I really liked this last conversation that um Tri- Triton has with Sebastian for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think I talked to you a little bit about it, about how sort of like your relationship with your parents changes as you get older. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just that they get less strict because you get older, but it's like they also start be- becoming more accepting of individuality. And granted, this is a Disney movie where the transformation took place in three days. Yeah. But, you know, I had something similar with with my parents growing up where my dad's extremely academic. Like, that's what he understands. Gally knows this. And he's she's met my father a number of times. And he's a very good person and he means well. But for a majority of my upbringing, he was very strict because what he understood in terms of like success was quite black and white. And it sometimes felt, you know, that same sort of pressure where it's like, you're not listening to me. You don't understand my needs. You don't understand my wants. And as I've gotten older, his viewpoint has changed. And he's even talked to me about how he used to measure success the wrong way and and that he's more interested in the, you know, the happiness of his children. And especially he had a little me- little bit of a medical scare earlier this year. And that made him really appreciate my mother to the point where he's now like anything she wants, she's she's getting like anything. Because she's, and he basically realized it's like, you know, making those decisions that the people in your life matter more than the events that take place around you. And I really appreciate that that's what we see the lesson that Triton's learned here. It's, you know, the lesson he's going to learn, he even says, is how much I'm going to miss my daughter. Where it's sort of, you know, that it's that moment that I think every parent kind of gets to where it's like, I'm going to miss you because you're growing up and leaving me. And I'm used to you being around. Yeah. And, and I think it's it's beautiful that your dad has had that amount of growth. Because mm-hmm. I think it does come down to uh, you either accept the fact that your child is an autonomous being and is not you. Mm-hmm. Or you have to cut, like, like you cut them out. Like, it's, yeah. it's kind of a, eventually there becomes a black and white situation where one or the mm-hmm. other happens. And it is very um very nice of the one parent in this movie the uh, only one the old, there's yeah yeah one parent uh is so accepting uh of, yeah. his, of his daughter in the end and um not even really a spoiler but we learn in the next movie that there is an ongoing relationship between you know land and sea after this so it's not yeah. like yeah, so it's not like he's never going to see her again, but it is an adjustment. Like it's this, it's the same. It's like the not empty nest thing, but it's like she's leaving home. 
you know, his youngest daughter is leaving home. That's a pretty big deal. He's used to her being his little, his little girl. And she and she's going to go now. And he was having a hard time with it. But it's 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 really, really refreshing to see his his growth. And he doesn't come up to her and have this is a big thing in filmmaking, especially where they do a show. Don't tell. He doesn't go up to her and have some big speech about how proud she he is of her and how she survived. And because of that, he's going to honor her and do this thing for her. He just without even asking her decides to grant her her wish. She's even surprised when it happens. Yeah, because Ariel is. Uh, longingly watching Eric from afar, thinking this mm-hmm. is all. This is now my reality. I'm going. Yeah, to have that to was watch over him from afar, and mm-hmm. it is really sweet the fact that Triton uses his um the power he's had all along, which is now the power of acceptance, uh, <laughs> and he uses the Triton to give her legs, but give her permanent legs, and not only that, but. Instead of Ariel turning into sea foam, which is what happens in the original book, yep. he, I, I'm assuming, uh, Triton decides to take the sea foam and make a gorgeous, sparkly gown for Ariel. Yeah, to he thought he, he was slightly nicer than Ursula with his transformations. He was like, first of all, she's got her head above the water so she can breathe. Second yeah. of all, how about some clothes? Yeah, a gorgeous, sparkly yeah. dress so a that Eric can't miss her. A beautiful couture dress, a style that we will not see until the early 2000s, by the way. Well done, King Triton. I see you. I see you with that low V-neck, figure-hugging, literal mermaid cut, knee-high slit deal. Like, this is such a 2002 Vera Wang collection dress. Which I will say is a little bit funny, given that this was made in 1989. And takes place in the 1800s. In the 1800s. But yeah, it is like the most modern dress that would not show up in the 1800s at all. I I, I like that one little touch where it's just kind of like, I'm a mer person. This is what I believe humans wear. (laughs) They are always this fabulous, of course. I mean... Everything sparkles underwater. Because the next time we see Ariel is when they're getting married and she's wearing that big puff sleeve white traditional wedding <laughs> dress. Like that was not designed by a mermaid king, I can tell you that. <laughs> Ooh, sleeves? Not underwater. Eh. No, impractical. Too much drag. No, but but you're right. We do we get to see Eric and Ariel going, mm-hmm. Cool. You're the person I thought you were. I love you. Like with their eyes. <laughs> To yeah, there's no more dialogue. There's after no more that. dialogue. Cut to presumably a wedding happening tomorrow the afternoon. Same day, yeah. <laughs> oh, they have to repair the ship. Oh, right, 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 right. And they have to give a very quick, like men in black level discussion with all of the wedding guests. Like, you didn't see any of that. Don't talk to any other kingdoms about what you saw here. That was the men in black thing? Yeah, the pen. Ex- yeah, the pen. Exactly. Getting them just flashing them. Uh, maybe it actually showed Ariel's dress. <laughs> to, <the laughs> That's dress what it actually in. does. Yeah, <laughs> to make everyone forget. And then they have a beautiful wedding ceremony. And I can't remember, is this the scene where the um, priest looks like he has a boner? No, I think that was during Vanessa's wedding. That was earlier in Vanessa's wedding? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was another... We we mentioned this in the the first episode. This movie is kind of fun in the fact that there's two couple of, like, (laughs) trivias around dicks Mm -hmm. um, on the VHS cover. And then there's the other piece where it looks like the priest is a boner and it's just his knee. The priest Um, in the palace. The priest in the palace. Yeah. (laughs) But, hey. 
this ceremony works out. This time it the does. Secret, don't destroy it. Well, Sebastian has one more uh one more go at Louis and unclips a beam that smashes him in the face and Louis loses all his teeth. That's fair. Louis actually really has a hard time and all he wanted to do was make good food. All he wanted to do was make good food. Little did he know Little that he was know. dealing with sentient animals, which I'll get into that when we when we briefly talk about Rescuers Down Under, because I'm going to bring something up about sentient animals. Um, oh, boy. But yeah, this is basically... Oh, I lied. There's one more line of dialogue. Um, Triton causes a little ocean swell and comes up so he can to the side of the ship so he can give his daughter a hug. And she tells him she loves him. Yeah. And we get to see him create a beautiful rainbow as they fade to black and kiss, finally. Yeah. Well, they kissed on the seashore, but because um, there was a transition from them kissing on the shore to them kissing at their wedding. Yeah, but this is the real kiss. Penultimate kiss. Like, this is the one that matters. And yeah, that's the that's the end of the movie. What I My last note was support your loved ones. Support your loved ones, indeed. That's a good note. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, my... <laughs> My last note was good thing this didn't end the way of the story where she turns into sea foam. So I see we had two different priorities. <laughs> we did, but um but um but um but um but um yeah, that was the little little moy made. Yeah. I I feel like it's a waste of my time to even ask you if you like or recommend this movie and instead ask why do you like okay. and recommend this movie? <laughs> That's fair, because I do to both. Um mm-hmm. As I talked about heaping praise on the animation, I think that this is one of the first Disney movies where you can really see that attention to detail in facial expression. Um, I don't think this movie has, excuse me, a lot of filler in it. It's really sweet. It's really cute. I like that both leads have distinct personalities and it's adorable. You should watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you well- think? I, I I definitely like and recommend this movie as well. I think uh, all of the points that you brought up are very true. Um, on top of that, this is this is a Disney movie, like capital D Disney movie. This is the yes. type of movie that we think of when we think of a Disney movie. And yes. it really shows um, how much thought they put into basically developing a Broadway play mm-hmm. and turning it into an animated movie that still contains uh, a high level of uh, human personality. Mm-hmm. And yeah. all, all of those things together are extraordinarily impressive to watch, to experience. Obviously the music is fun. Yes. There, there's a reason. Terrific. Yeah. There's a reason that, you know, we remember the words to these songs 30 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's just kind of a testament to the amount of time and attention that they put into this film. Yeah. Oh, it was, it's, it's great. That's all I got about it. It's good. Yeah. Really. You guys probably spent a lot of time listening to us talk. Um, and you could have just fast forward to this part where we both just said it good. Watch. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, before that, uh, what are we, uh, what are we up to next week? Uh, so next week we are watching. I I think I want to consider this the first like official Disney animated sequel. Yeah, that was that was on the big screen because, um, Winnie the Pooh. I guess you know 
maybe that's kind of a Disney sequel. Uh, Three Caballeros could be kind of a Disney sequel to Saludos Amigos. But we're watching Rescuers Down Under, which is just a direct, direct sequel of The Rescuers. We get to um, spend our time with those adorable mouse rescuers. Well, I cannot think of another word for them. <laughs> Mousekewers. Ooh, I like that. We get to spend some time with some mousekewers uh, down in the land of Australia, where some people actually have Australian accents. Like two people. Yeah. And you brought up earlier in the beginning of this movie about the shark being um, kind of not sentient. Mm-hmm. I made a big note when I was watching this one that it had another character where it's like most of the most of the animals in here are anthropomorphic. Mm-hmm. But the eagle marahute is not. Yeah, I, I made that note, too. Um, yeah, so- if you want to hear our opinions on yeah. a pretty major character, like a plot point of a movie not being sentient, uh, better tune in next week. Exactly. But until then, <clears throat> excuse me, I need to make sure that a bride isn't about to kick my dog in the face. So I think I should probably go. Oh, that's totally fair. Um, I have a crab that's been running around my kitchen for like the last two hours that I need to stuff with some lettuce. I guess we should go do that then. So, um, uh, so long glamour boys. So long glamour boys. Damsels Who Discuss is created and produced by Crow's Nest's podcast. Your hosts are Gally Articola and Alexia Thurumalai. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash damsels who discuss all one word. On Instagram at Instagram.com slash damsels who discuss all one word again. And on Twitter at Twitter.com slash damsels who disco because Twitter has a character limit. Or you can also email us at damsels who discuss at gmail.com. So long, glamour boys. So long, glamour boys. (laughs) 